0: So well, Hare Krishna to the devotees that are on the call so far and to all the devotees that may be connecting on YouTube, um, welcome to our series, The Beauty and Messiness of the Sadhka's Journey. And this is a series that we've been doing now for some, probably over a year now, and it involves having interviews with um Different devotees in our Sangha, and really looking at our lives, um, trying to see our lives from a different perspective, um, instead of seeing ourselves as having difficulties and challenges and obstacles that seem oftentimes insurmountable, but to see it from the perspective of we've been using Joseph Campbell's um, paradigm of the hero's journey that all these things that are happening in our life are met to make us, um, stronger devotees and, and true heroes of the world for ourselves and for the, for everybody else. So it's been for myself very enlivening to hear these stories because yeah, I started, I, some years ago, I actually started putting together stories called when bad is good. And it was, um, just these kind of interviews and I have a lot of stories. I was gonna write a book and because I'm lazy, I never has, it hasn't materialized yet, but I do have a, a big file full of stories, but we'll see how that all turns out someday. But it's my passion because I think so much of our spiritual advancement comes from being able to see things that happen to us in a particular from a particular vision that this is this is a lesson this is teaching me this is helping me instead of seeing it as something that i should should not want in my life this is bad it's 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 ruining what my plans or whatever which sometimes we have a tendency to see from that vantage point So today our um, sage is Omkar Das and I'm so excited to interview him. Um, I'm going to read his bio first and then we'll launch into the questions. So um, Omkar was born in Finland in the early 1980s, um, 1984. Um, He left his childhood home early to live with two rats and a dog, and work as a postman, finally to leave the country, where he has never returned to live again. And so then he traveled to India, the land of his dreams, to expand his consciousness, which he had somehow developed a desperate thirst for. And this led him through some adventurous years, including getting married in order to immigrate Canada in 2003. And there he found his dream job. He joined the ranks of the superhuman beings that that he had come to know as the uh, bicycle messengers. So he stayed in Montreal and Vancouver for some years, building a career as a bicycle courier, courier. And through a windy road, he now lives and works in Madhavan Ashram of Costa Rican jungle as a part-time resident, trying to figure out what he wants to do when he grows young. His duties now include safely yet adventurously washing the temple floors and dishes, and offering arti and songs to Shushi Dalji Gopal and pleasing Guru Maharaj any way he can. Think of. He still likes traveling a lot, and he also likes reading, writing, and, and inspiring and getting inspired by good song. So we're very happy today to have you be inspiring us with your sangha. And um, I guess my first question would be, um, yeah, what inspired, what was going on at home during your early years that inspired you to Leave home at an early age and uh, never, and actually end up leaving the country and never returning again. What was what was going on for you?
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Um, I don't really know how to answer that first question without maybe being too gruesomely like, uh, like, uh, yeah. I, I guess like a personal personal approach is always good so yeah i guess my life was a lot of suffering i mean relatively my life was easy but but we moved into uh the the drug capital of of finland as it was titled in 1980s Um, so a lot of like broken families and a lot of stuff like that going around everywhere I, i would look and my own family being one of those as well i guess you know our vibe attracted our tribe. so we ended up being a uh, being in, in the thick of it so so a lot of a lot of suffering my dad left uh, our family when i was 5 or 6 and i vividly remember all those things leaving pretty heavy samskaras and i just looking into leaving home whenever uh, as much as i uh, like, as much as i can remember just just thinking oh man i just want to leave this place and i had a nightmare one time where I was in a prison and, and I needed to escape. And I actually dream walked into my window and threw my uh, stereo through my window. And I woke up to the stereo blasting through the window and fourth floor crashing down into the pavement. And yeah, I, I, I never ended into therapy, but, but my mom talked to my uh, godfather who was a psychiatrist and he was supposed to do a, do a session on me, but nothing ever came out of it. So when I was 17, I just ditched the scene a lot of kind of violence between me and my mom too like not a good scene and it's it's really much much better now she's chanting and everything's <clears throat> really much better now but yeah i was pretty vicious at times at home so yeah it wasn't surprised that that i took off pretty early i think i was 17 or 18 when i moved uh, away from home it, and, and not just suffering and horrible things of course there was a lot of love and my mom's very very loving and compassionate Christian person and yeah lots of beautiful things as well but but the 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 oppressive feeling was there that I needed to make a shift something totally different Mm. yeah
0: so you had said that at some point after leaving home you ended up going to India and you had a real thirst and um, attraction for for going to that place and so what were there things in your early life that kind of pointed you in a direction or you felt um, that you had a spiritual calling was that happening in your life before that mm-hmm.
1: I mean my life kind of was sort of <clears throat> imbued with spirituality as far as, as since I can remember I was born into family of ministers my godmother and my my mom's uh my mom's uh, sister and brother both ministers and The whole christian thing like like in finland everybody does the christmas thing and so yeah there was a lot of prayer from my my own part as well as as my whole family so that was always there got baptized did the confirmation did all that and studied religion in in school you kind of do that in finland if you're if you're a christian which everybody is if you're actually i don't know how that exactly goes but most people are christians it just was that way so i've never even looked into what's the percentage of of populace that is christian but yeah like most most whiteys that i knew around me were that's what they were doing christian christian education which was actually turned out to be amazing um but yeah i'll get back to that in a bit why that was amazing
0: (laughs) okay yeah so um... yeah, yeah I guess
1: I wanted to, I wrote down a little thing here. my mom was always praying for like guardian angels to be with me i I remember that really vividly she would always keep telling me, you know God's with you, guardian angels they're with you and and yeah that that didn't start to become such a tangible reality till till later i i I started realizing that, yeah Krishna has been there always, and the angels have actually like been all these things and events and people and all that. So yeah, that's another uh, prayer has gone uh, gone in, in vain. I'm so sure of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. power of mother's prayers for sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> What called Oh you? yeah, and I
1: wanted to also mention that. Sorry to interrupt you. There was a I guess an early enough sign would be like first grade of high school. And this is the religious aspect, I suppose, about the religious education. I wanted to mention is that um, it was part of the curriculum. I learned later a few years ago um, from the temple in Helsinki that 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 the uh, Brahmacharyas would go and um, and be either invited by the the public schools to go and give a lecture on Krishna consciousness. So that's how I first initially got got introduced to it. And and my teacher was actually a really cool lady. She uh, she was like an eternally youthful lady. She was like, yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to Krishna temple now. We're doing uh, everybody go to the bus stop and we're, we're taking this bus. So it was one bus we just took from the school and jumped off right in front of the Krishna temple. And and uh, I guess they had some kind of a special program arranged to to us. But that then I learned the Maha Mantra. I think I was maybe 15. I can't remember. Maybe first grade of, um, high school. I learned the Mahamantra. I remember making the effort of learning it, like, OK, I need to get this down for some reason. I just wanted to learn it so bad, even though the whole thing was a bit wacky and like a tacky and sort of cheesy. I don't know why the Krishna, maybe I met the Krishnas before and this sort of. But I remember being so infatuated, that just the whole thing was like, wow, there's all these tattooed people. This, this is just full of color and sound and everything. And yeah, it was a pretty impressive experience being in there um and people were serious like i knew looking at these people being tattooed and kind of having interest in alternative cultures at the time i thought okay people are tattooed they apparently know something that i don't i like tattoos they're into that they're cool so but okay why are they all wearing saffron why are they monks like what's up with this like there's something really cool about this so i don't remember exactly all my thoughts about around that whole thing but yeah the pressure hadn't blew my mind as did everybody so everybody all the kids in my group started going after the, the temple. We used to go to Sunday festivals after that. So our teacher was, was pretty cool. Little piece of the whole puzzle of bringing the whole crew, Krishna's uh, little, little pond, playing that um, Maunula, Maunula um, Mathematica Elementary School, School Lila, <laughs> wow, <laughs> there by Krishna. Yeah, it actually, but yeah, Finnish school system pretty pretty good in that sense. Taking taking kids to Krishna consciousness, uh, so not a bad place to take a birth.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in that sense being born there was uh, just a real benediction for you, because yeah, in this country, you unless it's a private school, maybe a private school would have some program like that, but in the public schools, never would. They allow something like that so it's pretty yeah, impressive so <clears throat> your journey to um to india you want to say a little bit about is that the first place you went after you left home
1: actually no i i had this idea in my mind to go to the mountains of morocco because um yeah it was also as his words he says uh, augmenting his his consciousness expanding experiences so my augmenting was in a in a form of this uh, this uh yeah other other type of experience so i i heard this crystal mountains is a very very sort of conducive place for that um so i went and i heard of this old man who has a couch entirely made out of hashish so that was in my my sort of teenage dreams that was my my really cool thing to do was go and sit on a hashish couch on top of a mountain somewhere and do some kind of conscious expanding and uh, endeavor but i got as far as barcelona i took a, i took a flight to barcelona on the first night yeah sorry there's a little trigger warning here maybe a little gruesome event happened to me uh the first night i missed i had a missed connection with a friend of mine um this big park, there's million entrances apparently. I've done this few times in my life. Don't ever make a date with a with a friend in a big park that has many entrances. So she never made it for that for that because yeah, one entrance seems like a main entrance, but there's like ten other entrances. So I ended up sleeping on a beach and in the middle of the night in my sleeping bag. Two guys come and knife point mug me, and uh, yeah, they strangle me so hard that I actually couldn't breathe and that lasted for a while and I thought, okay, this is it, I'm dying, that's it. I, that was my only thought that I had That's that's it, that's the end of my life because I couldn't breathe for a while. And uh, all I could hear in my head was let go. I wouldn't like necessarily say that there was a voice that said, but it was a really strong feeling like that was almost like beyond me, so I suppose you can call it a voice that said just let go. And uh, yeah, I did. I followed through and uh, I let go. And then I don't know what happened. I don't remember. I remember telling this story to people throughout the years. And I've told a little different story. I guess that's how mine sometimes works. But all I can remember is when I came out, I passed out. I feel strongly I passed out. Whether I left my body or not, I don't know. You can say maybe make it a little more colorful. Say I left my body. I came through a black hole. I saw light. And at the end of the light was these two people m- mugged my my entire sack of belongings. I didn't have much because I had sold all my gear before I left. I had like TV systems, DVDs, vinyls, you name it. I was real materialist after my mom. And I had sold it all and it was all in my backpack, little SLR camera and uh, sketchbook. And yeah, there's my last belongings. And, and lo and behold, even my pants are not on me. They took even my pants. And nothing about it I still had my boxer shorts to go and wander in the night of Barcelona but but they took my my uh, money belt that was inside of the inside of the the pants and and all my savings were inside of the that money belt so yeah I literally had nothing but but Lord was there as well with me because I remember um, that uh, um, that part I do remember so I must have passed out yeah there must have been some some vague passing out and stuff because when when uh when they're going through my stuff um like looking at my stuff while they're strangling me I remember the, the other guy lifting my back and I had a money belt stashed and it, it hiked up very high so the money belt was the only thing and it had my uh my bank card my debit card and my passport so so that was uh, that was the only thing that I didn't get jacked and yeah I did have have couple. I didn't have much money there because I somehow didn't like to keep money in my bank account, some kind of a thing. So, yeah, anyways, that that was my first place I went to, that first thing that happened. Then I went back to Finland and then I worked a bit and left to India. So that was the, the rough, rough beginning.
0: So how do you see it now, looking back on it, in terms of how it may have served you and your ultimate ending up where you've ended up
1: I just remember thinking that I got given another opportunity in life and and really being super grateful so if nothing then gratitude and pilot drama is I supposed to work through I don't really feel like I have those anymore lurking so much I'm kind of cautious where I sleep these days but I don't feel it's any PST or PTSD or anything like that but yeah
0: yeah yeah and it reminds me a little bit of Amala Shams' story. I don't know if you caught his interview about how he had everything that he owned on this cart and buggy, buggy and a a horse and buggy cart that he had spent everything on, all his money to purchase this so he could start a little business in the world. and, And then the horse got spooked and took off and like up into the hills and everything he owned everything was just strewn all over and broken and it was like this moment of like you know total i mean he just dejection of like his material life was finished so it almost in a sense that story reminded me a little bit of his story a little different Mm -hmm. plot to it but Similar, similar dynamic of like you know, just all your possessions pretty much were on you, and they took most everything that value. And and obviously, Krishna didn't want you going to Morocco up in the Crystal Mountain. To you know, that might have been a real distraction for you. Maybe it would lead mm-hmm. you into some. You know into whatever their practices were and you wouldn't have been able to come to the path that krishna wanted you to come to so, mm-hmm. so in some way yeah, that's very yeah just a very um dramatic story that yeah just krishna being there through that whole thing and you know, they, they didn't you know they didn't kill you that, that was not the purpose of it. It was to bring you down from going in that direction, redirect you.
1: Yeah, it was also a miracle that I didn't get killed. I was hanging out with some homeless people the day after um, and like going to some soup kitchen there. And they said, yeah, it's a super miracle that you're still alive. Because in in a the in a, in a bright daylight here at La Rambla, we see people getting stabbed. I'm still kind of surprised about hearing that but apparently it's a thing that people just get stabbed straight up stabbed in like barcelona and it's mainly moroccan so it's like okay i'm not going to morocco definitely no morocco see you later i'm going to finland
0: (laughs) check that off my list (laughs) Yeah. yeah well yeah it's like your your desire for adventure was being um you know fulfilled but at the same time in a way like says krishna fulfills our desires in such a way that we don't ask for them anymore (laughs) so you know the the desire for adventure is being fulfilled in such a way that it's yeah it's getting it's perfect it's perfect so you want to tell us what happened after you went back to finland and then
2: yeah i worked (laughs) in a
1: in a coffee coffee lid factory they made basically just all they made as far as i can remember was coffee lids they sent to russia so people hated their life so it gave me even more incentive to just okay i'm gonna definitely leave this place there's nothing but coffee lid factory for me here and, and that's not what i want so two weeks gave me enough money to just go to india on a kind of shoestring budget found super cheap flights and yeah i basically repeated the same mistake i was also Actually, I think like renouncing all this intoxication was a big part of my journey because cause the instantly I landed in Mumbai, I, I jumped on a tuk tuk and like saw my first dead person. And then after the dead person, I jumped off basically right after and I was in the slum. and I asked him just take me to a cheap ho- hotel somewhere. And there's like a slum right next to it and this place called Ship Hotel, Ship Hostel it was just a dorm with like byla indians and i was like whoa these guys are like doing their thing this is like some crazy different world it was total culture shock and um and the first thing on my mind was like i, I just i just want to like smoke some weed to it and i i went out and i tried to find somebody some guy was lurking outside there and instantly he was like maybe other tourists were doing the whole thing i mean people like to do that thing so i went out and i jumped jump on the street with him and he said like come on let's Come on, let's go. I'll show you. And it chatted me up a bit. And turns out he's from Sri Lanka. His eyes were all yellow and super weird, dude. Super weird. I just had the worst feeling about this guy. And just the whole time we walked, maybe ten minutes, and all of a sudden I notice I'm just deep in a slum somewhere. I'm like, okay, this is not a good scene. I'm about to turn around, and and all of a sudden, screaming out of nowhere, comes some guy. And 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 he comes and starts attacking my my guy my yellow eyed guy who I have a bad feeling and I think okay now this guy is my friend so I'm like what should I jump the guy who's jumping him or what and the guy's foaming from his mouth he's got blood red teeth like you know obviously I later learned his chewing pan, this Indian thing we offer even to deities. Uh, but the pun makes your gums I don't know what they put in it makes your yeah. mouth blood so there here's this foaming blood red total demon attacking this this friend of mine but I start recognizing him slowly. Who is this guy who's screaming? I didn't he, I know this guy. Who is he? And he comes to me slowly. He's my tuk tuk driver. I don't know where my tuk tuk driver. Like this is 10, 15 minutes into the slum. But my tuk tuk driver, out of some random reason, Krishna's uh, mercy is there, and he's kicking and beating this guy and shouting, bad man, bad man. And he's he's pulling me away a little bit and by this time the other guy's starting to take off because he like looks around and like other people start gathering around and there's this whole scene and like it turns out like yeah he is not a good guy like other people are already like starting to call out on him and and this took the drivers now my best friend and i'm starting to realize what's happening here and and he's like yeah this is a bad man like what he's doing he shows me he has a needle he's a needle he injects and he he robbed he take all money he's bad man so i thought okay whoa well, like this was way too close of repeating the barcelona again like no more this no more like randomness like shenanigans like i'm taking this on the safe side and and uh, yeah, i stayed in the ship hostel and this guy is patrolling the perimeters i see him i'm terrified i'm like totally terrified of this guy still but he won't leave the ship hostel in two days so i'm I'm also not leaving. I'm just staying there and looking at it. But once I leave, I I just like get blown into the magic of India. There's some classical Indian music concert in a in a little park by it, with full of like banyan trees and hanging lanterns, and it's just like I'm in some Krishna lila here here right away when I left. And I took a bus to Goa and stayed a month in Goa, and and then yeah, other places when traveling, but but. uh yeah i mean it was a wonderful trip but it opened up whole new worlds to me but but i guess that was the that was really the lesson to me i feel like the, the first day i was like okay
0: no more intoxication <laughs> none
2: of that it's nonsense
0: wow that's amazing yeah and that that the the driver your taxi driver would have I guess that's what it, you took some kind of a taxi. You said, it, what did you call it? A tutu driver? I guess I call it
1: tuk-tuk, but what did they call them? Rickshaws in India, right? Oh, the
0: rickshaw. Your rickshaw driver yeah. actually followed because he knew that you were this person was going to try to do something terrible to you. So, wow, amazing. Yes,
2: yeah. Cause, yeah cause he yeah. was
0: there, save He was protecting you. And Close shave giving you those close calls <laughs> yeah wow so so how long did you stay in india what was that how how did that go the trip
1: i think in india at that time i was i was three months there that time and i i continued um i continued to to thailand thailand and laos and yeah and... <clears throat> and actually, in this trip as well, I I met met my wife there, my ex-wife, and um and we moved to Canada shortly after. We went for a little trip to Finland first, and then then I moved to Canada. Yeah, right. Shortly after that, so yeah, I basically just left home. That was the trip that that just ended the Finland chapter for me. And I carried on from there. I kind of been traveling ever since that, more or less. I've been in Canada, but but jumping province as well and and that.
0: So was your ex, your ex-wife was from Canada?
1: Yeah, yeah, from British Columbia, so the Western Canada became kind of my base. Felt really good there, still does, it's a good place.
0: Yeah, yeah, you were in, you were in Sharanagati for some time, Mm -hmm. living there, so yeah so what adventures did you have in Canada that because at this point you you've met the devotees when you were 15 learned the mantra so you have some you had some seed of bhakti planted or awakened from a previous samskara Mm -hmm. And, and you're kind of it sounds like you're kind of winding up material karma through all those like all, some desires that are playing themselves out in, in your travels mm. Is that how it felt mm. to
1: yeah now that you mention it i guess yeah i mean more and more i think about back in my life the more it, it starts coming clear that certain things were kind of there for certain reasons and and sort of this sort of renouncing material stuff has been a big theme in my life i mean i lost I've either gotten intentionally rid of stuff like I did when I was 17 or something. All my stuff, I just sold it all. Actually even before I just gave away all my toys. My mom would just keep buying me toys and I at some point I just got drowned in toys. So I sold them all. I was super young. I remember just like none of these toys anymore. You can't buy me love. Just like, just, yeah. So that was another whole, whole aspect. But so yeah, those things kept wrapping up and, um, um, I remember liking this band Kula Shaker, that was like way before I got bullied because I like Kula Shaker and I was there was a couple of tracks that I loved on their albums and one of them was Jaya Radhe, 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 I, I don't remember that song other than it said Radhe, 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 and I, I would just chant Radhe, Radhe, Radhe all the time and uh, my schoolmates would just bug me, they'd listen to gangster rap and and uh, and stuff like that, uh, and I wasn't into it. I was in Radhe Radhe and, and uh, Govinda. They had a song about Govinda. What was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they were a rock band, but they had they had devotion. They're devotees. So maybe if people know Kula Shaker. If you don't know, you should check them out. They're actually a pretty good band. Still yeah. like them.
2: I don't think
1: I've they didn't have Maha Mantra though. The Maha Mantra was there as a, as a little standalone that I busted out every now and then, like weirdly enough. I, I just didn't remember Krishna Bhaktas or didn't remember anything about the temple or nothing. Maybe maybe slightly, but the Maha Mantra would just miraculously pop up in my head and I would, I would just chant it. Just like, okay, I'm just gonna chant this, almost like make sure I can still remember it. Like, why am I making sure? I asked myself, why do I have to make sure that I remember this? I don't know, <laughs> okay. it's okay, it's the thing. So, yeah, I guess it became a thing afterwards, more of a thing.
0: Um, in the, the Brihapagavatamrita, Gopakumar Gop, was traveling, he, he got his mantra and he um, it would take him all kinds of places and he didn't really know anything about the mantra except that he was told to chant it so mm. here it's so your mantra you had you got the mantra and it was taking you places and you had your auxiliary mantra roddy roddy along with your mom <laughs> <laughs> so you were bound for good. You, you had no choice but to end up with the vaishnavs and yeah i mean that was yeah the, the windy road that you um That your life was on. Yeah, so tell us tell us about Canada and your joining the ranks of the superhuman beings known as bicycle messengers. And Mm. what what did that how did that serve you and your first marriage? How did that serve you? And how do you see that as all fitting into the puzzle? Um uh,
1: my life wasn't really devotional after I moved to Canada. It was more like a, a, a terrible, like, um, like um, austerities in the mode of Tamaguna, kind of just really painful self-torturing for no real deeper purpose. Just like real, like, real roughest type of like austerities. And I throw, I, I, I was thriving on that. I remember just like, I don't know if anybody's been to Montreal, but it's it's similar to Helsinki, except maybe 10 times more snow like it, the amounts of snow are absurd and they don't, they don't throw gravel like in other Nordic countries, but they throw salt. So like riding through that as a bicycle messenger for like a few winters was, was doing a, a number on my health. It was just terrible, brutal. I remember losing some of, of my feeling in my extremities. Like I still have some frostbites that, that just killed my nerves. So yeah, that takes a bit of, that takes a bit of freezing. I don't know if you guys froze any of your parts of your body, but it's painful. it's it's not fun. So I got that kind of stuff. And I was in a culture that is heavily into into uh, this type of torment. And I got introduced really. All my friends were punk punks, punk rockers, so I was really into that culture as well. and 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 um, not that I know much about punk, nor that i I like to think, then I remember my ego was just super inflated. At that time, I mean, still is probably large to a large degree. but but then, I mean, now now I can see how inflated it was and and just having to to make this whole image to yourself. It's interesting when you immigrate to a country, that's another thing I haven't heard anybody really talk about, but but the way that you're you're having to change your language, maybe Nishta would probably know something about that. But when you're having to immigrate to a country, you're kind of having to rebuild your I- identity in one way. So the, the way that I would speak, I would get really inspired by some people. Um, I don't know, they, like authenticity was something that I was always after. I remember just that was one of the things that I would really, really, Kurnishta says totally very painful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, painful. For me, the pain maybe was that that um, having having sort of gone through losing your identity as who you think you were, but I never really knew who I was in the beginning. I didn't have a very good sense of self, like really terrible sense of self, actually still do more, to a large degree. But but having to sort of go, go through that, rebuilding your identity with another language, looking up to some people and then taking sort of kind of a shiksha, psychological shiksha from them, like, OK, how do they compose themselves? How are they? And then sort of... Uh, simulating parts of their character into my character and always feeling so fake about it, feeling horrible guilt that I'm not myself, I'm somebody else, but I didn't really know who I was. So so that was my way of coping that. And um, yeah, it was a rough stint, I got to say. I, I was in, in Montreal for a few years going through this whole terrible, terrible scene of, of abuse not only abuse of, of one's own body, but one's surroundings. I mean, people are intoxicating heavily. It's a heavy, heavy scene of suffering. And it's so out there. Like, you know, drugs, you name it. It's all there. Violence, like I went through terrible violence stints. Like like it's really embarrassing stuff at this point to admit how low human can, can go. I didn't abuse other human beings. That that's the that was the extent of my own, own but I did abuse cars. I went to court. I almost lost my uh, ability to be in Canada because I broke somebody's car so utterly and totally using um, uh, my U-lock. Um, it's, a, it's a very heavy lock that people lock their bicycle with. So that thing can, can wreak havoc on, on a vehicle. So all the windows went out and... But that, that wasn't actually that car I went to court with. I actually, out of a blessing of Krishna again, I kicked the mirror of an of a undercover cop car. Yeah, really good luck. Uh, and the, the gorillas there flew out of the car and tried to chase me down. But they didn't that time. They didn't catch me. I, I got away. It was this mafia-style heist. Like, I'm this guy. It's totally, like, this is even a better material than maybe you've seen Premium Rush. It's a career movie. Like, this movie's got nothing to what my life was, like, I tell you that much. This chase scene was there was four police cars involved, me going the opposite way on a four-lane Biggest downtown Montreal road, the the wrong way. The cars are coming everywhere. Like there's all of a sudden there's like ten of them. I don't know where they're all coming, but this is like a brotherhood Montreal brother. They're they're actually notorious the police. They're they're violent. They're uh, they're corrupted. They're bad police people. You don't want to get in uh, in uh, in their bad side. But I did, and I got beat by police officers. I got I got uh, wrestled down and uh, thrown to jail and and offenses. Um, Violating police officer, they slammed all kinds of terrible fines on me. But I hired a good lawyer and I got away with it. But that environment, terrible environment, terrible environment that I was immersed in for years and glorifying it. And yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, you asked. So <laughs> there's yeah, some, uh, yeah, that's right. just like the tip of the iceberg. There's uh, if someone wants to hear, there's ton of terrible stories. I can't imagine a reason why anybody would want to revisit those, nor uh, nor hear them being uh, being brought out too much. But yeah, a lot of that stuff. And I had to skip down. I was in, in Vancouver a few years later, and and felt this is this is terrible. Um, my other burning passion besides that was to get out to the sea. Um, my dad's a sailor, merchant marine, so. Um, Got some maybe some people noticed some sailor tattoos too so that was my other burning passion and and still is i i enjoy the ocean i mean it's krishna himself so that's a wonderful place to be with the with, with that aspect of of the lord and i bought a sailboat for a thousand bucks and i left uh, vancouver i didn't never return to live there again i left to the gulf islands and lived there for many years um, yeah a lot a lot involved in those years of course but in a nutshell that was kind of kind of huge deal for me because I was so addicted to the city life and so addicted to um, just the, the easy access of everything people who lived in a city is like I was a city boy my my whole life so living in a city is very gratifying you never have to spend a moment in your own head you never have to uh, you never have to uh face anything basically you can just i mean bicycle career i could say that that's the epitome of never having to face anything you're constantly on the move you're never stopping you're on the call constantly doing deliveries around town mm-hmm. you're getting to stop at different restaurant every day to eat your lunch there's no sattvic aspect to it except that you're outdoors but still you're breathing fumes of cars so it was like an environment that was so intoxicating just I mean, to experience like an environment like that in that way is um, I don't think there's anything as as thrilling and stimulating that I can think of. Maybe some pachinko hell in, in Japan where they're throwing coins into these glowing ding dong machines that like maybe Tokyo was maybe. I went there also. I went racing around the world also. So I saw different cities, these illegal bicycle messenger races. So I saw some crazy is Kyoto Tokyo but yeah I mean city is a city just the size of it uh, so yeah <sighs> yeah so I left I, I left and I uh, lived out on the sea for for many a year I lived on a sailboat for many years
0: by yourself Were um, you out uh, are you
1: yeah <laughs> I was alone I was alone many years and even more austerity is there, I'd say. The austerity continued. just the, the Tamaguna austerity. Living, uh, I lived moneyless. I was homeless. My boats kept sinking. I couldn't do anything about them. I was too, uh, too sort of like down and out those days. Um, so boats just kept sinking. I mean, I learned how to sail really well without an engine. I, people, people seem to think I'm a really good sailor. I, I'm a good sailor, I have to say. I know how to sail. But that's because i was so stubborn i pushed myself out there without an engine because i didn't bother say, um, fixing it i didn't want to pollute the ocean so there are some sattvic aspects to all this suffering you know it's not just all all demonic monstrous uh you know uh, march of 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 tamaguna rajaguna but uh, some aspects and i always had a high regard for it. For indigenous cultures and, and their spirituality so there was heavy heavy current of, of spirituality in in all of this i was always the weird person no matter which culture i was in i just didn't quite fit in any of these niche cultures and whether it be you know crust punk, train hopping kids or rpg gamers or sailors or yeah so many of so many communities anthroposophists uh, farmers back to land all these cruise that I was with I just always felt like nah there's something more okay next but what, what's next there has to be something more so yeah so the, the bhakti was there waiting it was <laughs> Krishna there was waiting,
0: waiting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's uh, definitely like a, a novel book you know a novel thing movie kind of life you have so many you know these are the kind of stories that people are so attracted to. And then it is a hero, the real hero's journey, even in the material world, you know, you were being, um, you, you know, you were you were getting stronger in a lot of ways. And, and you know, you gave up your city life and you went to seem to me that would be kind of like from city mode of passion actually in the ocean more mode of goodness and a more mm-hmm. peaceful existence for you where you're um more contem- contemplative kind of life maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so i see some progression going on here <laughs> from my perspective but maybe <laughs> from here, so it wasn't maybe like but yeah just you know getting more in touch with Um, self-sufficiency and, I mean, that's austere, you know, trying to, I mean, giving up your engine and you could say, well, I didn't wanna work to have to fix it, but might've been, like you said, some some other desire going on too, to not pollute, not pollute and to do like the Mm -hmm. indigenous cultures were able to live simply. not complicate their lives with all machines and things like that so mm-hmm. anyway i i see a very inspiring movie that could come out of this <laughs> one day <laughs> <laughs> when well, we have many many um different kinds of people joining our sangha that have the skills to do something like that screenplay <laughs> and we'll go yes on um, car your story is definitely worthy to be put out there
1: yeah krishna's mercy has put me through all this kind of weird stuff i mean it's just wacky stuff wacky stuff
0: yeah wacky stuff but look look where it brought you and you needed to go through that because you do you have this just for the a little bit i know of you a very adventurous nature that just needed to kind of Explore the world, and and yeah, it was like almost the only way that Krishna. It seems like Krishna could have really dampen your spirits to continue down that very adventurous pathway. Was to make things very, you know, you had some very close calls with death, and you know, you could have ended up in Montreal prison system for years. I mean. Krishna really, I mean, I just think, wow, you know, you, you, you defied the, um, the consequences of, you know, Krishna was protecting you from really bad consequences, but giving you enough (laughs) of an experience (laughs) to make it like, okay, maybe this is not the right road and kept nudging you, nudging you to the path that he wants, you Mm -hmm. know.
1: i'd say <laughs> exciting nudging nudging slowly slowly yeah i remember hearing kirtan uh, through throughout those years like here and there people started to gravitate more towards the sort of uh new age types and and whatnot you know going to sweat lodges and going through some kind of uh, yeah that's another story but but um yeah the kirtan was there kirtan started started actually being audible in in uh, in a in a in a sound sound waves like actually kirtan kirtan like like that so yeah i mean i don't know people who've been to pacific northwest that's a that's a sort of very strong indigenous um current i mean i'm still very drawn to to that aspect of of the absolute i'm i'm very very um i studied that a lot i read a lot about indigenous spirituality uh it's very uh very attractive to me and i feel some kind of connection um to those peoples because they have the connection to the land that's largely lost by by white settlers um i mean there are people i met some guy michael here the other day he spoke right to my heart he, he said uh, he met dalai lama even who said you are uh, you are an indigenous person he said no dalai lama i'm not i i am I'm in my heart. I am an indigenous person, but in in this body, I, I have taken a, a white man's birth. So 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 something about the way of of the verse of, of this type of uh, embodiment, this type of psyche, this type of uh, you know subtle, whatever you call it, DNA, and in, in that runs through the indigenous. That consciousness really calls to me. It's a uh, high regard to our our mother earth. You know, and uh, and through those those sort of sort of connections in, in the coast, I was brought more and more into um, into uh, new age stuff and and it's very intravo and if you've been there in that part of the country, there's a lot of um, indigenous culture that is, is intravo and I guess North America in general. And now it's starting to be everywhere. Maybe I'm just making uh, making that a bit special for no no reason, but but to me anyways the, the place was always um so linked to that to the indigenous spirituality and then kirtan was part of it like at sweat lodges if people have been to sweat lodges there's always a song that goes in in the back background um which is a beautiful thing you know chant a song there's always a song and and uh sometimes uh you know people would sing kirtan and yeah i was curious what is kirtan i didn't even know it was this mystical thing to me kirtan they're playing this harmonium instrument and uh never got to go actually to a a kirtan jam till yeah till later i left pacific northwest to come come to finland throughout i think how many years 18 years i was in canada um i was dodging a draft in finland i was a big pacifist so i didn't go to military there's a military draft um you have to go mandatory uh one year if you're a man so i didn't do that i went away and uh i did three months of it actually i did but i left the country um after that because yeah it was uh, i was just a terrible stint so so in in finland sorry this is kind of bouncy bouncy hang with me but but my point here being that i didn't get to I didn't get to go to Finland all through those 18 years because um, I was forbidden by the government. They didn't give me a passport. So, um, so this, this longing to go back was growing and growing. And it was quite brutal. I had to stay. For my poor mother of all of people, it was brutal. So she had to tolerate me and my choices in that way. I imposed that on her. And also in myself, but when I finally when I got to go, it was like a floodgate of of meaning and purpose, and uh, and sort of rich tapestry filled my whole being of who I am in this embodiment. Who are? What are my roots? What what is my spirituality? Uh, what is my um? What is my 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 whole heritage? And uh, the the finishness sort of came on like just like click and and full volume. It was like okay. This is no longer something that I, I, I despise, something that I need to live in, in my wake, uh, something that I'm never going to come back to, but something instead that I embrace now. I take and fully embody and, and slap on. And it's like, OK, I know now we are not this body, but this body is a cool body. This body is a, is a glorious body that I have gotten for from Krishna for a reason. What a beauty to be in this body. And what a heritage. Wow. Wow. What a heritage. Like these are some pagan cool people who have some really deep connection to the to the roots of of, of the mother earth that, that that holds so dearly. you know. And, and that aspect came on very, very strongly. It was a magical trip back. I am not getting into it, but but that was one time. And then I went back again and it was like it was three times, four times I went after I I, I, um, I got granted a passport at age 31, I went back four times. Second time was was a full sort of embracing that, okay, I have a cool family who've done really bad stuff. They treated me really badly, but it's not their fault. And I actually saw who they really are. And it was like, wow, what a pe- bunch of people you guys are. Like all your scars are, I'm sorry, you got all that stuff on you. But like, who you are is like unfathomably beautiful and I love you so much. So I like fell in love with my mom uh, as a best friend and we were like so tight now. It was hard wrenchingly uh, amazing to go through with her. Uh, so that was the second time. Uh, sorry. Yeah. And and then the third time there was only three visits and then the third time um, I was like, okay, what about this time Krishna? I didn't say Krishna because Krishna wasn't as Krishna in my life yeah but i said okay what about this time bring it on and uh, and um i was on some very very hard imposed austerity stint at that point i was a ketogenic diet religionist practitioner at the time i was on that maybe people know ketogenic diet is, is you're not allowed to eat carbs no sugar no nothing it's a new fad a total trendy sorry if i'm making it sound like i'm being judgmental about it but from from my own experience I should have more compassion, sorry if that comes across as judgmental, but it, it is a new age trend, um, to say the least, um, but it had benefits. For me, it was hugely, hugely um, beneficial, but um, imposing so many austerities that it had to end. And, and uh, Kirtan came to my head when I was in Finland. I was like, okay, I, I'm chanting some Krishna Das tapes here, biking just been chanting two months now now i need to go back to finland temple helsinki temple uh, so i did and um uh, yeah that's 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 the get. that was the game over Um uh, switch no more of this nonsense and and yeah that that changed the whole whole thing i became vegetarian i was mainly vegetarian but but that just ended the whole thing no more nothing no more no more uh fats of any sorts other than, than plantitas and uh And uh, yeah, I mean, read the Gita probably within a week or something. But my Japa Mala, the first visit and the whole thing just, yeah, it came on really strong. And that's the kind of like a baffling aspect of it. Like, how did this even came on so strong? But I guess it was like a long time coming. So finally, like, okay, boom. Um, A lot of paths that just, there's nothing but like Prabhupada's words that make sense anymore. Like, I've seen just seen so much of this whatever other things, like, Krishna's to so Swami, I am, like, period, like, seriously, period, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was it, and, uh, but ISKCON was crazy, honestly, I gotta say, it was a crazy place to go, I did have to go back to Canada, because it was my home, and, and, uh, well, I got through this tumble dryer of, of, like, Vancouver ISKCON, it was total, total, like, uh, insane, stint. I mean totally beautiful, heartbreakingly gorgeous. And uh, that temple there is wow, what a temple. Uh Krishna temple in Vancouver Iskhan temple. It's it's so beautiful. It's highly esoteric too, like the whole and and I mean I mean mystical I guess I should say and and um uh, but but it was always weird that there were just these fringes, I guess how they call them like random people floating around the temple and then like Sunday, boom everyone comes. And it's like this little club that comes on Sundays, rowdy kirtan. And then it's like a ghost town for the rest of the time.
2: Mm. And it was
1: like this weird balance. I'm like this, I know now what this thing is about, but why is it like this? Why is this thing like this? Why shouldn't it be like, so I slowly started piecing it together. And what's the history and what's going on here? And it's just like, I'm sorry, but there's more to it than this. Please tell me that there's more to it than this. And. I started praying really strong, and I, I got into Ritvik super heavy. I got into the Vaishnava Foundation. I was part of their agenda. Then the guys had told me, that, the leader guy told me that. Um, so, but yeah, you have to tell everything that I say. <laughs> okay, see you later. I'm not telling, every, I'm not doing anything you say. First of all, like, okay, you got some philosophy done, but I don't know what the philosophy is yet. I don't know. How do you, how do I know that you know? First of all, I don't know. This seems... This seems bonafide, this is sounds right, but, so I learned their Ritviks, some other rit- rit- Ritvik groups were, like, looming in the back, and then the Flat Earth groups were, like, coming, coming there with, like, big gnarly teeth, and then some guy was so dark and so heavy, and then there were some, a few people, like, heavy on drugs, and I was, like, this is madness, like, there has to be something better than this, something more, and I prayed more intensely, and, uh, yeah, then boom, gurmurash came, and his lecture was like, okay, listen to it one time, two times, five times, ten times. Okay, this is just going in my heart. This this is what I need. Who is this person? Oh, he's got an ashram. Oh, Adaria. Interesting. Oh, monastic training in Adaria. I need that. I need that. And at that point, I was so fanatic that my girlfriend left me because um, I was like talking how sex is illicit. And, you know, the whole fanatic, uh, fanatical flair turned on heavy. Still probably a fanatic here, one fanatic. Uh, I am Om Kardas, I am a fanatic. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> it's partly still there. It, let me tell you, if you, if you want to do an uh, institution, then, uh, then bear in mind institutions can uh, indoctrinate things in you that are very, very hard to shake. I'm sure most people listening know and are well acquainted with this, but I found how insidious it is afterwards things have been implanted in me i thought people are crazy when i was gonna leave after day three not crazy but but like loose super loosey-goosey not doing the right thing not doing the right way and these things are still are some of them are still lingering i noticed they're like so subtle they go deep in there so so yeah like i can understand that and now the depth of our acharya acharya devs you know words like but this is and Bhaktivinoda Takur, how they're speaking about these things, Bhaktivinoda, Bhaktisiranda has this article, Organized Religions, you know, like I mean all these things have such deep deep implications and, and some of them I know some of them I, I know from my own experience but just how much there is to be to be careful about and then how much am I grateful and how much don't I even know what Kuru has given me that, how he saved me is like, yeah, wow all, all my, uh all my prostrated obeisances to all all of them great souls that are there for me as angels, you know. So yeah, you didn't ask all that stuff, but that was kinda along the line of what the interviewer Yeah, I know. It's
0: wonderful. Me. Yeah. And I think
1: we're done, aren't
0: we? Yeah, how did you end up in Maravan? Are you he
1: invited there? me gurmaraj invited me after i wrote him a letter i wrote a Daria letter saying i want to do this monastic training i'm really interested and and i don't know if you went through gurnista or if like Odaria le- mailbox goes straight to uh um, gurmaraj but he answered me and i was totally like dumbstruck can you say dumbstruck like a dumbstruck, awestruck, yeah. something like that i just like wow this swami is writing to me personally wow like what a crazy thing. And he asked about me and I wrote him back and told about my my life and whatnot, my interest in bhakti and, you know, monastic life. And he said, OK, well, it sounds like you've had a colorful life, blah, blah, blah. Didn't write very much in his usual style, at least to me. Just a little short, little something told me who he is. You know, this is me. You know who I am? Like, this is who I am. I wrote write books, blah, blah. This is what I do. Um, we don't actually have a monastic, uh, program like that in Nadaria anymore. This is more like blah, blah, blah. This is more, sorry, I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. But this is more, uh, more chill environment now for my writing and and, and, and that is that, but I invite you to, to live with me in Madhuan monastery. Um, and yeah, that moment when he said that was one of these like transcendental experiences. I, I, I I don't hesitate to share this because it's not too too crazy personal or nothing. It's just like lights went on lights turned off and another set of lights went on. And I don't know how long I sat there, but it was like, okay, Blanco. Uh, that's, 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 um, that's something else that came on. And yeah, I, I needed to go. So I did some arrangements. I sold my boat and yeah, the girlfriend had already, you know, left me and that was all right there. And, so everything was just like okay you need to do this there's nothing actually the the poor dear dear girlfriend of mine uh dear friend of mine still um she 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 told me you need to do this there's nothing nothing that that i can do that would be justifiable for either you or me to keep doing this with you like there's this is your destiny like you need to do this and yeah it was just too clear too many fronts that that was gonna happen so so yeah so it did I moved to Maduwan in 2000 what was it 1817 um yeah now it's the fourth winter here and going good and I'm learning to appreciate what Kurmarash has blessed us with giving this place and um, and how special it is I kind of disliked Costa Rica to begin with it was such so alien it still is very alien but, um, but Maduvan is not Costa Rica. Me and there yesterday were talking. It's something else. Yeah, it's true. But in instantly you leave. You go, we, we have this one morning walk, sometimes down the mountain trail, and you're on the main road, and you're like, okay, now we're in Costa Rica. Now we're in Costa Rica. Just two minutes ago, we were not in Costa Rica. So it's uh, it's a special bubble. I hope more of you will get to experience
0: yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of Americans, people from the United States, that um, think Costa Rica is a place to, you know, it's a destination, a retirement destination. And so interesting. But for you, it didn't have that charm for you that Costa Rica culture is just too, Yeah
1: no no only the like the the scenes from jurassic park that movie where the chopper flies over (laughs) and then you see this like a cocos island it was like that's costa rica for me like it still has the thickest like biomass i think anywhere in the world and has like the flora and fauna are the the richest here and so in that sense yeah it's it's a pretty phenomenal place and i i love all that stuff but um and, and there's something special here. I mean, we're in a blue zone. Maybe somebody knows what it is, kind of like a niche where people live really long. Yeah. Life expectancy is, is long. Good air, good water, all that kind of thing. Something about the ethers here as well. Um, I guess we're right in the epicenter of it. Literally, like this Guanacaste area is the blue zone. So, yeah, I mean, Krishna arranged something very, very special for... For all of us to tap into and yeah the water water is vibrant it's just all around and like people live simple lives you can't get stuff here so you really have to live simply here like Goran, you know shamal the sundaries have lived exceptional lives for many years and they just did so many sacrifices you just can't get stuff you can't get stuff shipped now even more less so more now even less so within the last some years because the government's like Coming down hard on on custom regulations. So yeah, if you want to get stuff here like mung dal, you can't. If Har- Hari Priya is trying to bring you Moong, five kilos of mung dal, they get confisc- confiscated on the border, like you just did. So yeah, you gotta grow them. So we just decided, okay, we gotta grow mung dal for Gurmanj. Next time he's here, he wants mung dal. Growing it. So like how like Krishna conscious exactly what Prabhupada wanted. Like is that that's that's perfect. Like perfect so to lead a spiritual life here is is very very the climate's perfect yeah it's warm here but if you don't like hot then you're not gonna like it but yeah anyway it's a good place for some reason
0: so just because i'm looking at our time i i would like to just ask you how coming to krishna and Coming to Guru Maharaj and Madhavan and what would you say that you see in, in yourself? What are the biggest changes you see in yourself as a result? And who you were a few years back?
1: I mean, everything's changed. I mean, everything. But But I guess the conviction to make a change there was no real reason to make a change. Like, why am I making a change? But just the conviction of, okay, I I am making change, not just for myself. Like I was so selfish before, entirely self-centered person. So to know who I was before and and what I was working, what my sets sets of values were and what they are now is like totally, you know, 180 degrees, like entirely 180 U-turn. So what, what Krishna can provide us in that sense is, is what this path can give us. It's like none other. So yeah, that has entirely changed my orientation to to the world. I mean, I'm still in a thick depth of 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 total, like no hero here, but but a total like uh, crawling through the swamps of like, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, in the never ending story where he's in the swamp and he's calling for the Falkor, Falkor, you know, <laughs> I'm calling for falcor I'm calling for Krishna like that, so I'm not a, through it, so, to, but, but, but that being an, an, another really great big thing is to start to know how many layers we have, how many layers I have, I have, like, depths of, of layers, so, yeah, starting to see them, and then also, like, recently, just being amongst other people, you know, coming out, going surfing for a week, looking around and people not being like oh man like look at you like listen to what's coming out of your mouth that's like that's gross but instead being like whoa i hear you like that must be painful like i'm sorry like just instead having compassion to people because i know how much i'm struggling and what i'm feeling so instead of instantly judging people it's like wow I'm noticing in myself there's some compassion to other people first time in my life like woohoo! <laughs> like that's, that's amazing
2: that's, huge.
1: that's yeah. huge so I mean it's it's really like overwhelming at times how long of a road there is to go because noticing where I'm at but yeah that's multiplying the, the magnitudes of my prayers also so it's good but but yeah at the same time it's very like I feel so defeated a lot of days. It's just like, mer, just like, okay, well, 108% on, like I'm fully into it. And then, like, minus 108%. Like, well, I'm never going to stop doing my, like, angles of Sadhana, like, I just hang on to those. But yeah, but. The enthusiasm like what it was Vishwanath Chakra would call it like running thick and thin or running hot and cold like yeah that's definitely still there and, and the enthusiasm is still there but but like the the first initial investment and those like magical experiences totally like wow mind blowing every day like something amazing happens yeah those those are definitely i wouldn't say gone no no but but um yeah, turned turn down quite significantly, yeah. Mm. Anyways, uh, I yeah. guess there's some things that I noticed.
0: Yeah. vast <clears throat> intermediate zone of Anishta Nishtha Bhajana Kriya. It is a long journey to get through, but it's like Gumaraj. I, I like how he says, once you get to Nishta, the top of the mountain, you just kind of roll down the other side. So. <laughs> It just, you know, the, the process becomes always joyful once we've reached the top of the mountain, which isn't out of our grasp or our reach in this lifetime. It's, we can see devotees in our, you know, company, people that were around and see that they've reached that. And so it's, it's, mm. it's very obtainable. But yeah, going through that, that those early that early stages. <clears throat> It can seem like yeah, it can seem like forever. Um, yeah, one day up, one day down. And, uh, keeping good association with people that are up most of the time, to keep, mm. you know, pulling you up and helping you. So,
2: yeah, I, yeah, certainly.
0: <clears throat> so, any any um, words you'd like to give our audience, people that are listening? Um,
2: Mm.
0: insights gifts that you've kind of been able to mine over these last years and just anything Mm. Mm.
1: i don't know i think i said a lot um maybe you can extract out out of those things but um uh, i don't know one cool thing that that i think maybe people can can do that i don't know if people do that but i like to look back in my life even though you know it's it's just past we shouldn't look too much into the past but in the sense that i see it as a pieces of puzzle that just came together when, when krishna came to my life as who he is and, and it was like a putting a frame that i can just put all those pieces and they fit perfectly and i know where they fit um, and that's something that i I often reflect and now even given this this blessed opportunity to reflect on my life in this way it's been really helpful to to just see how much there's been mercy and now just talking now to you like noticing you know things come come out as as they were as they are being like okay yeah right that's that's what that was there for kind of thing so I don't know it's a cool cool thing to to think of it in that way. Uh, as I said, I don't think I'm, I'm much of a hero. In many ways, I guess I've gone through a colorful life, like Gurmah said. But, but uh, yeah, that's that's past, and that those were some scars and karmas that that needed to sort of get cleared out of the way for for the the better to, to come. So I don't too do too much put emphasis on it. Sometimes it saddens me that devotees don't really talk about their their past, because I think a lot of people would have cool reflections on on. On their bhakti project and see how much advancement they've made and actually put value in their experiences and be able to appreciate themselves where they're at now more so maybe uh, that kind of a reflection is healthy if it's done in, in, in uh, you know in that context
0: yeah and i think yeah, that these interviews are helping like devotees to take the time out to do that because yeah sometimes we're just so busy just keeping up with the daily duties of, you know, wherever, you know, whether we're, whatever, (laughs) we don't take the time to do it. So, so yeah, so hopefully other, all other devotees who have not yet participated in doing an interview, some people have been reluctant for different reasons, but I think it, there's a lot of benefit um, for, personally for 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 your your own introspection and then for sharing that with others it's very powerful and helpful Mm -hmm. should we any other closing words and then we can open up see if anyone has a question um no okay all right So so really i I wasn't disappointed with your interview at all, I know, it was going to be a thrill, a thriller, (laughs) so a lot of, yeah, amazing um, chapters of your life, you just gave a little synopsis of it, I'm sure, yeah, book or movie material, for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, maybe Krishna Kanja's movie.
0: Yes, exactly. Krishna would, um, wouldn't be anything else. It's not a Krishna conscious movie. Thank you for being courageous enough to come on and, and share with us and we'll just see if anyone um has a question. Um Shikamari Dasi said thank you for sharing your journey baby. Well. Nice reflections too. Um <laughs> if anyone has a question can you unmute yourself or if, not, if you can a minute to see
2: okay. gotta
1: speak conclusively so no questions are being uh, being left
0: <laughs> you have you've satisfied everybody right?
3: Archan archina can you hear me
0: Yes, David please ask your question. Yes, I'm
3: I'm on the tel- I'm on the telephone. I'm I'm not on the Zoom. Right, right. But and um, I don't have a question. But I I just really wanted to thank Omkar Prabhu for sharing that because it just I don't know it helped me so much and um it it just was faith building to see or hear you know the journey coming to Krishna. It's and to be vulnerable, to open up and share—you know—a lot of that stuff is very private, and um, yeah, the hardships and the craziness that we all go through, or <laughs> trying to find ourselves, and um, just very well spoken, very beautifully put. Um, I would say, and and the insights that you had—it was, yeah, I really want to listen again. I. I just wanted to let you know that I'm very appreciative of, of you sharing it. Um, it truly helped me. So thank you.
1: Wow. Thank you. That's, that's amazing to hear that. That was uh, helpful. Yeah. It's, it's amazing for me to know this as well. I mean, it's not my life. It's a life that, you know, this body went through and this, this being went through it guided by Krishna eventually. So yeah, if that's not inspiring, then, you know, like that's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, but, but yeah, that's like that. That's great. I'm I'm glad I, I have the being blessed with the capacity to be vulnerable and be open. And yeah, I judge people, um, myself sometimes. So I feel really scared of being judged. And the only way is like to go through that. And I try to work my, my, mm-hmm. my judgments and, and, uh, I think, um, uh, yeah, that's, it's the only way to go through it is to really self, um, Self abnegation and honesty. And uh, so, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you got inspired.
3: Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: um... Wait, is it Sharda?
3: No, that was. What did
0: you say? That was Devahuti. Oh,
1: Devahuti. Jai. Jai, my pronouns. Thank you very much for sharing that,
0: Devahuti. Hi Bo, I listen via YouTube. How did you meet Gayatri and when are you getting married?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got to ask Gayatri that. I already asked her. She said no.
0: (laughs) She said no. You asked her, you proposed and she said no.
1: <laughs> Don't tell Gaia through that Wait, she's gonna watch this. okay, maybe I'm sharing too much now. Maybe you've gotta end the, the interview now. <laughs> it's about good time. <laughs> There's limits to being open, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, how did we meet? We met in Sweden. I mean I was kind of ready to get through this whole brahmachary stint, so yeah, I was making some prayers and uh, and she manifested out of the thin air. Just poof one day she wasn't there and next day she was there kind of thing <clears throat> um no we met in sweden um um uh she was part of like a um, swedish Vaishnav sangha and me as well and she said um, i'm looking for for sangha and i said yeah great me too i'm here in Gothenburg. you should come and meet meet up if you need if you want and uh yeah she she came and we met and it's like um very like uh entirely krishna's arrangement because um yeah it's just mind-blowing how much we need to learn from each other how much we have already learned from each other how how much we just see everything as as matching to our bhakti project we're both ready to just throw down and be like okay that's it so it's very uh yeah it was very also a huge faith builder for me and I think for her as well and yeah another sign was that she got basically initially uh instantly initiated by Guru Maharaj because because I think it's just I don't know I don't want to say why but <laughs> to me it's like okay yeah that's it that's that's another that's it kind of thing hmm. thanks for the question
0: yes and thank you for the answer yeah. <laughs> I hope she'll be fine with it.
1: <laughs> oh, open bay. That's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see your, um, see your face, Indra. Mm. Nice to see you. I was actually, yeah, like listening via YouTube and I was just crying and laughing. So I was just like, you better not see my face. But <laughs> oh. yeah, super amazing story. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Another and thank you, Arjuna. Stories. Thank you, Arjuna, that you do the series now again. Very awesome. Yes, awesome. We'll be getting you on soon.
2: <laughs> <John>.
0: <laughs> you can start doing your reflections. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's about it for today. Um, next week we have. I think Mother, we're having Mohini is our is going to be interviewed, so from um, Brighton, UK, so that'll be a nice interview. We look forward to that, and I guess that's it. In case unless anybody else has anything they want to add or say, so again, Umkar, thank you so much for your participation in today's interview and we'll see everybody on Sunday, I guess, for or before even for one of the other calls. Hare Krishna. Oh, are. Hare. Hare Hare
2: Krishna.